0: Uh, And I I just want to make mention of, we just finished our 21 days of prayer that we usually start the year with. Uh, Thank you to everybody who dove in. We kind of left it up to you as an individual, uh, just to choose what you needed to kind of push the lead on, what kind of fasting you need to be involved in, uh, how you would uh, engage in prayer. And so uh, we're just uh, finishing up on that, uh, and that whole idea is built out of this incredibly powerful principle uh, called first things first, keeping first things first. And Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus said, Seek first, if I say first, His kingdom, His righteousness, and all the things you need will be added to you. Anybody believe that? Amen. So, when we put first things first, in other words, when we're, and I'm not, I I love the idea that it's not, we have it all together. We're just seeking, we're just pursuing first things first. The kingdom of God, pleasing God, the ways of God, the rule of God, the righteousness of God, and God adds to us everything that is needed. As I'm teaching this and talking about it, my, my heart is one that people who already get this, who know it, who understand it, that I would be able to stir some faith in you to believe the promises that God has given to us for for honoring Him him with first and best. Because the Bible does promise that if we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that He'll open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing that can't be contained, He'll push back the devourer in our life and watch over us. It says our barns will be filled with plenty. Our vats will overflow with new wine. So those are promises, and promises are engaged by our faith. When we honor God with the first and the best, He blesses the rest. So I'd rather live with 90% blessed than 100% cursed. Amen, and uh, I hope you get this and understand the power of this first things first idea because there's there's more to being a Christian following King Jesus than becoming a nice person or, a, or a, just a moral person. I'm all for being nice. Uh, I'm, I'm all for, you know, uh, living a moral life, but the kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. And when we buy into that, so, so we are really uh, living, we live in this world, but we're not of this world. So the peace that I walk in has nothing to do with what's going on in the world, it has to do with my relationship with Jesus. The joy that I have, uh, the strength that I have, the confidence that I have, the vision that I have, the purpose I carry doesn't really matter what's going on in the world. Because God pierces through all of that, and we live, and it's the entire Bible. I mean, you read through the Old Testament how often Israel was treated differently when they pursued God than all the other nations. And and I just want to encourage you that God wants to bring provision into your life just as much uh, in a kingdom of God way than any other way. So that you get a hold of that Exodus thirteen ones, the Lord spoke to Moses saying sanctify to me every firstborn the firstborn of every womb among the sons of Israel among people and animals alike it belongs to me and I could and I have over the weeks we've done this read different scripture. Uh, throughout the uh, Old and New Testament, talking about this concept that first things belong to God. And once we buy this idea, I'm always looking for a way to put God first. You know, in, in the way I plan my day, uh, in the way I plan my week, in the way I plan my year. I know some of us already have kind of sat down and decided this is going to be our vacation I would say I would say yes. Everybody needs a vacation, amen. But I would also say let's make sure we put God first in in the way we plan uh, our entire year. Uh, the first of our, the first day of the week. This is why we come together to worship together, to pray together, to gather together, to agree together. This is more important than just I'm going to church. This is me saying, this is you, saying, I am giving this time to God the first part of the week. I'm consecrating to the Lord and watching God bless the rest. Somebody say amen. Hey, it's you know what? It's kind of weird to preach when people are looking at the side of your head or not even looking at you at all but looking at the screen and that's quite all right. You just go right ahead. You know, I, I think it's possible for, uh, for us to somehow think that honoring God, uh, we feel it in our emotions. And I'm not anti-emotion, but there has to come a point in our life where it's not just a generic, emotional, I love God. But there's got to be a move that's specific, that's intentional, that's a choice that's revealed in an action. So what I want to talk about today is uh, a guy in the Old Testament. His name is Achan, and uh, the title of my message is going to be The Achan Factor, and Achan is around when Israel is about ready to take the first city of the promised land, Jericho. Most of us are familiar with the story of how Israel was supposed to march silently around the town. There were giants, there were walls, and they had this supernatural plan from God, which, by the way, they never had to use again, nor did that God call them to use again. I mean, you know, when God moves one way, it doesn't mean He wants to do that every day. God's fresh, God's new, God's alive all the time. So anyway, they're moving in. They're going to take Jericho, um, and uh, they've got to go in and, and, and take that land. Six days of marching around, silently, seventh day they march around seven times and blow the trumpet, and the walls fall down, and these are the instructions that are given uh, that are part of this whole divine plan in taking the first city. Joshua 6.17 says, "'The city shall be under the ban,' It and all that is in it, all that's in Jericho, belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and all who are with her in the house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. as for you, only keep yourselves from the things under the ban, so that you do not covet them and take some of the things under that ban and make the camp of Israel accursed, and bring trouble on it. Verse 19, all the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord, and they're going to go into the treasury of the Lord. So we drop down to Joshua 7, verse 1, and it says this, But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully in regard to the things under the ban, for Achan... The son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah from the tribe of Judah took some of the things that were under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. So they don't really know that this has happened with Achan. It's happened, and uh, Achan is kind of sneaky done this deal. So they they launch out into uh, taking the next city, Joshua 7, 2, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, artificial intelligence. I just actually, <clears throat> which is near beth east of Bethel. And they said, go up and spy out the land. Now, Joshua had done this with Caleb right before, so he knows the, the, the way things go. So the people went up, spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua, said to him, do not let all the people go up. We only need about two or 3,000 to go up to Ai. Don't make all the people toil up there, for they are few. So about 3,000 men from the people went up there, but they fled from the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down about 36 of their men, pursued them from the gate as far as Shebarim, struck them down on the descent. The hearts of the people melted and became as water. They're going, what is going on? Joshua tore his clothes, fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. Both he and the elders of Israel, they put dust on their heads. Joshua said, alas, Lord God. Why did you ever bring this people over the Jordan only to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? If only we'd just been willing to dwell beyond the Jordan. If only we were just willing to settle. Oh, Lord, what can I say? Since Israel has turned their back before their enemies, for the Canaanites, all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, they will surround us, Cut off our name from the earth. What will you do for your great name? Ultimately, they discover what what Achan has done. So verse 19 of this story, Joshua 7, says, Joshua said to Achan, My son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel. Give praise to him. Tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me, Achan, answered Joshua and said, Truly, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. And this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver, a bar of gold, uh, 50 shekels in weight, I coveted them, I took them, and behold, they are concealed in the earth, Inside my tent with the silver underneath. If only Achan had waited. If only he had honored God with the first and the best belonging to the Lord. He took spoils that were premature. He took the first spoils when God said those spoils belong to God. So let me give you a couple of ideas out of Achan's story. Number one, first things always belong to the Lord. I think the more the lights can come on for us, the more we can recognize how powerful this idea is. First things belong to God. Jericho was the first city, right? Uh, its spoils belonged to the Lord. And there were, there were many other cities that they were going to have victory in, and there were spoils from all these other cities, but this first one belonged to God. Leviticus 27, 26 says, "'However, a firstborn among animals, of which as a firstborn belongs to the Lord,' No man may consecrate it, whether ox or sheep, it is the Lord's. Numbers 18.29 said, make sure that God's portion is the best and the holiest of everything you get. So what I want to point out in this idea is that when we give God the first and the best, we're not actually giving anything. It's not actually ours to give. The first actually belongs to the Lord. So you go buy a car and you make your payment to Toyota Motor Company or Ford Motor Company or wherever you bought your car from, you're not giving them the payment for your car. It belongs to them. Everybody get what I'm saying? The, the first is when, when I pay tithe, I'm not giving anything to God. I'm actually releasing to Him what already belongs to Him. Uh, Robert Morris was talking about this idea, and he made an interesting statement. He said, God can't be second. He's God. God is always first no matter where you place him. Wow. All right, that's blessed you enough. Number two idea. Victory belongs to the Lord. So Joshua and the boys were feeling bad. They've just come off defeating Jericho, thinking they were all that, and that they could easily just move into this little bitty town called Ai, And they didn't realize how much they needed the help of God for every battle. God has a promise of a life of victory for you. Somebody agree with that? He has a life of promise in His mind for you. He has victory in His heart for you. But that victory is always tied to our current relationship with God. Victory's not automatic. Just because you one day said, I accept Jesus, didn't set you up so that you would never have to pursue him again, that you'd never have to draw on his grace, draw on his wisdom, draw draw on his promise, draw on his power. It's it's. It's a current issue. It's always tied to our current connection to the Lord. So here they are thinking we're just the bad nation of Israel. We just defeated Jericho. Let's just move into this little place called AI. We can take that over easy. We don't even have, we don't even have to send the A team. Let's send the B team in. Right? God doesn't just give you strength once and that enables you to carry victory for the rest of your life you need the strength of god for every battle you face you need the wisdom of god for every battle you face and i'm you know made the comment as they took jericho the strategy was march around seven times and you know seven days seven seven times on the last day blow the horn The city walls fall down. That was never the strategy ever again. And eventually, when they went to take AI after they repented and got things right with God, they drew people out of the city, and they had a divine strategy that was given of God. Every season that you're in requires you to have a divine strategy from heaven that keeps you in a current relationship with Jesus. Can you hear what I'm saying? Proverbs twenty-one thirty-one says this, the horse is prepared for the day of battle. In other words, do all you can to set up well, but victory belongs to the Lord. Jesus said this, John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears fruit, much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Our victory is as sure as our communion with God is current. That's a good... Take a picture of that. Our victory is as sure as our communion with God is current. Victory, a life of victory in the Lord is always vitally connected to a real current relationship with God. In other words... There there are no principles of victory that are disconnected from a relationship with Jesus. There's there's nothing we do that really brings us there that's outside of a relationship with the Lord. Concept number three on the Aiken factor. Our life impacts those around us. Achan's disobedience made the whole nation lose. It affected, it wasn't just his household. It was the whole nation that lost the battle. Now, listen carefully here. Your obedience brings blessing to more than just you. It affects everybody around you. But our disobedience also has a huge effect on the people around us. We are kidding ourselves when we say, what I'm doing is is not hurting anybody else. Nothing could be further from the truth. Everybody that's in your life is being impacted by your obedience or disobedience, by, by what's going on in your world or not. And we are kidding ourselves. If, if you've got a, a drug problem, an alcohol problem, an abusive problem, an anger problem, a greed problem, a gambling problem, wh- whatever kind of problem you have, you are kidding yourself to say that's just not affecting anybody around me. It is affecting everybody that is around you. Something powerful could happen if you and I would say, I am gonna get consumed with a vision to pursue God with all of my heart. I'm I'm gonna pursue the purpose of God I'm going to pursue excellence for the glory of God. I'm going to reach out and apprehend the best I can in God. You don't think that would make a difference in your family, in your friends, in your church, in your world? Out and out sin is going to have an adverse effect on people around us. But I also want to say, mediocre lukewarmness also is going to have an effect on the people around us. And I'm encouraging you to reach out and seize your full potential in God, not just for yourself, but that you would reach for that because dads, you are going to help your whole family. Moms, you're going to help your whole family. I was really thinking and impacted by this idea. What if our men, I don't like to pick on men, but I might do a little bit of it right now. But men, what if we just got fully consumed in our heart to pursue God? to grow in the blessing of God, to grow in the purpose of God, to grow as a man of God. What if as men, we really learned how to pray? What what if as men, we really learned how to not be grumpy? Everybody just stare straight ahead. What, What if as men, we really learned how to appropriately express love, like use words. (laughs) Hello? Hello, men? What if as men we learn that it's our job as the head of our home to stand at the door of our home and keep the devil out and get God in... I'm I'm just saying your family would be hugely impacted. Come on, man. Don't just let your wife have to pursue the lead in the things of God. Man, and I'm not talking about being bossy. I'm actually talking about serving your wife, your family, the people around you. And and here's the thing that I, I want us to hear. What an impact would happen if every person in our church began to honor God with their tithe? What would happen? Because, Because the Bible is very clear about this idea that when we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, it opens the windows of heaven so that a blessing is poured out. Hey, I don't know about you, but I'm believing God for supernatural. I'm believing God for salvation. I'm believing God for healing. I'm believing God for more than just having a cool new stage. Hello. And just imagine our church right now, maybe 15-20% of our church actually pays tithe. I, I think that's where it's about where it's at. So here we are. 15, 20% open heaven. Can you imagine? And this is not about, God help us, this is not about the money. This is about the honor of God. This is about opening the windows of heaven. Don't think that it's not your obedience or disobedience to this is not affecting other people because... Achan made an entire nation lose the battle. Fourth idea I want to give you, and I only have 25 ideas, so this shouldn't take much longer. Now, right, Just a couple more. God's purpose is primary. His blessing is secondary. Because Achan didn't have the purpose of God straight in his life, He stretched out his hand to take a blessing that God wanted to give him, just not yet. God's purpose and obedience to God's purpose, they are the real issue. Now, I am unabashed in teaching because I believe it's the Word of God that God wants to bless you. He wants to pour out blessing on your life but more important than the blessing of God is that we are in pursuit of the purpose of God, right? So God doesn't exist to win our battles for us. We exist to engage in the battles that he's called us to engage in. Can you see the difference, right? And I think... We, I think if we get too concerned with the spoils of the battle, we're missing the point. If we get more consumed with the purpose of God, God can pour out all kinds of blessing on that guy, on that girl, right? I think that's one of the reasons that getting first things first is so important because it affects your attitude. If you're willing to make that move, you are saying to God, I'm not just in it for what I can get out of it. I'm in it to honor you. I'm in it to obey you. I'm in it to serve you. The last idea that I want to talk about is is this. Don't accept defeat. I'm going to say that again so somebody else can hear it. Don't accept defeat. Let defeat be your wake-up call. So Joshua 7.10, the Lord says to Joshua, rise up. He says, hey, quit crying. Quit. Why is it that you've fallen on your face? Remember when Uh, The nation of Israel was facing off of the Red Sea, and God's telling Moses, he said, I don't need you to pray anymore. Strike, reach out. That staff that's in your hand, I need you to step up. joshuas he's moaning, he's groaning. I'm actually surprised at his reaction to what happened at Ai. And God is basically saying, to Joshua, I didn't intend for this defeat to happen. I didn't send you out to get you defeated. I want you to face up to why you got defeated. Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2 14 says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and maintains. Manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. I honestly think, and I've done this as well, I think sometimes we can get too passive about defeat in our life. And we can start to tell ourselves, well, maybe this is just God's will from me. That might work for other people, but, or maybe this is just my lot in life. And I'm going to say, if you're moving forward and you're trying, defeat is going to happen. But I think we could make that defeat serve us by letting it be a wake-up call. Right? I think if we'd be honest and ask ourselves, why am I not winning? Like, Why am I not winning in my emotions? Why why am I not winning in my ministry? Why am I not winning in my finances? And it's too easy to accept defeat. Why am I not winning in my relationships? I don't expect anybody to shout at this point, but why am I not winning in my walk with God? I think to have the honesty, to look at it and go, I believe God wants victory for me. I believe He wants my family healthy, happy, holy, whole, full of love, full of joy. And if it's not there, why not? Instead of just passively accepting defeat, I want to say to you, like the Lord said, to Joshua, rise up. We serve ourselves and everyone around us so much better if we quit looking for excuses and start looking for real reasons, right? If, If we quit looking for somebody else to blame and go, I'm responsible for my life, for my soul, for my heart, for my spirit. There's nobody else to blame about this. You know, I think, I think if we would just say, God, I am not going to accept defeat. I believe you got victory. When we're honest enough to face the defeat in our life and say, God, what is your answer? I promise you, he has an answer amen so i want to share a story with you in just a moment about a family that in the journey of learning how to honor god with their first and best god did a beautiful thing in their lives so watch this story would you
1: hey everyone we are john and tia banks i'm john if you couldn't tell um we are here to just give you a little background about tithing and what it means to us and how it's affected our lives over the years that we've done it. Um, Tia grew up in church, so she already had a tithing principle built in. Um, I did not grow up in church. I didn't go to church. My family didn't have anything against it. We just didn't go. So when we got married, uh, she started talking about this tithing thing, and I'm like, I, I just uh, I don't know about that. I don't know where this money's going, how this is going to help me, you know, and she was smart enough to let me lead a little bit and kind of fail, which is good. You always wanna fail because it creates uh, you know, wisdom. And uh, I remember one particular weekend, we were talking about tithing. Uh, my tithe was gonna be $40 that week. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot right now, but and maybe it does to you, but it did to me that week. And I'm just like, I don't know that God needs this $40 <laughs> as much as I do that same weekend i brought my son we were living in west virginia so i brought my son down here to visit my uh... my parents his grandparents to stay the summer Uh, while i was here i came to home church came to the rock church and pastor kirk was talking about tithe that week i think we were probably going through a tithing Uh, a 90-day tithing experience or something like that. I sat in the very back because I was by myself. I didn't have my comfort zone with me, Uh, so I was just chilling in the back. And he just talked about until you get a revelation in your own mind about tithing, that you're not going to do it. And that's not just tithing. That's anything in life, right? He said, but it'll come to you, and it'll be like a light switch. And as soon as he said that, that's what happened in my mind. There was a light switch that went off, and I thought, how how did i mess this up how did i not listen to somebody who already had wisdom built in on this so i had to go home and i had to uh apologize for not leading our family the way we should have and from that moment forward we started tithing now we probably didn't do it perfect we didn't do it right we didn't do it as much uh right out of the gate and we had some you know improvements to make right progress was always there we We found a book we started reading this book
2: called the blessed life and we started learning what tithe meant and how it worked and that it was not just the money that was 10 percent. it had to be the first money it had to be the best out of your uh, money it couldn't be the part that was left over or we have to make sure that everything fits because if we did that it wasn't going to it was going to go for something else it was going to go for a bill Excuse me, or something like that. It was just going to be something left over, and it was giving God the leftovers. And the more we learned about tithe, the more we 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 would strive to do that. When back in the day, when we wrote checks, we made sure that the first check that we wrote was that. And now we try to we do it online because it's so much easier these days. But as soon as those checks hit the the bank account, we go in and we do that and we make sure that that's our first and our best and that it's not, God's not getting our leftovers. But the more we learned about tithe, the more we found out how much it impacted lots of other places in our lives. And we always talk about the scripture, um, Malachi 3 uh, 10 that talks about he's going to open the windows of heaven for you. He's going to pour out things and he's going to bless you. But one of the things that stuck out to me was the 11th verse. It says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor the vines fail or bear fruit in your field. And we take that to mean that our family is going to be safe and that things in our life are going to thrive and that we're always going to have more than enough and that satan can't come in and make us sick or take away the things that we have our jobs are secure our things are secure because we tithe and because we believe god that he says if we do this he'll rebuke the devourer and i can pray it away but that he it's in his hands i don't even have to do it i tithe and he protects us and that is really what we believe about tithes it's one of my favorite parts about that and we've had some amazing things happen through some really hard times through our adoption struggle we lost quite a bit of money um, with a disrupted adoption i mean like a lot of money but that year because we did adopt we got the exact same amount back in a tax refund and so god has always um just showed up for us in our finances we both have good jobs we know they're secure because we tithe Um, and if we lose them which we have before he's still always taking care of us and he's always made sure that we have enough and more somehow without a job we paid an 1100 dollars rent payment and i don't even know how i honestly don't i just know that God was providing for us because people love us and he's always there to provide for things for us.
1: So one thing I'll say to you is this, it's this important to God. It's the only time in the Bible that he says to test himself in this. He's wanting you to test him. God's not gonna ask you to test him if it's not important. So test him, do this 90 day tithe experience. Go for it, give it all you got, see what happens. I'm sure that you'll come out of the other side with a blessed
0: experience. Beautiful. So John made a statement, which I totally believe is true. It's, I know the lights have to come on. Uh, This is not an arm twisting kind of thing. It's, it's a thing where you go, wow, I do need to honor God. And it is true that it's, it's the only place where God says, "Test me, give me, give this a go." That's why we invite people into this 90-day uh, tithe experiment. Just for three months, pay tithe, honor God, bring your first and best, watch what He does. Uh, I could, we could share literally story after story after story, and we're trying to let you know for real people trying to honor God this way, making the first and the best. Uh, go to the Lord, what has happened in their life. So I'm inviting you into that, uh, the, the ways you can be involved in giving. I know Tia said, uh, no, not very many of us write checks anymore. So you could, uh, if you brought anything today, there will be ushers at the back door, but there's tons of different ways to be involved, to dive in, to give it a go. And I encourage you, to do that. Could I pray with you guys for just a moment? Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes? You know, far more important than, than the tithe uh, is where your relationship with Jesus really is. And I just want to pray with you today before we're dismissed in just a moment. You know, maybe you've come in here today and you've never actually fully surrendered your heart. Jesus, I'd love to pray with you, and let's start that journey together. Maybe you're here today, and and if you're being honest with yourself and your own heart, you, you there was a day when you used to be closer to God than you are today, and today would be a great day where you just open up your heart and say, Jesus, I'm coming back, I'm coming home, I, I need you, I want you. Or maybe you just don't have this the confidence. That that you are really right with god nobody's looking around but i do want to pray with you and if that's you you say pastor would you pray with me i want to give my life to christ i want to come back to christ i want to know for sure i'm right with jesus would you pray with me would you just lift your hand up real high and say that's me just god bless you come on anybody else just in a moment of honesty before the lord you would say i need to come to jesus i need to come back Jesus I want to make sure I'm right with Jesus anybody else want to say yes to that moment thank you so much thank you hey let's all pray that you put your hands down now let's pray this prayer together everybody say Lord Jesus I open my life I open my heart to your love to your Lordship I need you I want you in my life as my Lord. I know I've sinned, I know I've messed up, but I'm coming to the cross where you have paid the price for my forgiveness. Thank you for a fresh start. Thank you for a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.